Hi, dear listener. Zach here. I'm proud of the work we did on Call of Discovery and Keyforge Public Radio, and last year I took my love of podcasts full-time with my company, Rooster High Productions. If you know someone with a business who wants to broadcast their expertise through podcasts and derived social media marketing, send them my way to Zach at RoosterHigh.com. Thank you so much. Hello and welcome to Call of Discovery, the podcast where we like to celebrate all things Keyforge, its community, and the excitement of Discovery. I am somehow still here as your host, Ed Pocock, and I am joined once more by my co-host, Zach Armstrong. Hello, Zach. Hello. How are you doing, everyone? (laughs) All good, thank you. And Nathan Starwalt from Tabletop Royale. Hello once again, Nathan. Great to have you back on. I appreciate the invite. I'm, uh, it was it was such a blast last time. I had to I had to make it a double shot. So, <laughs> excellent, excellent. For those of you who are might be new to Call of Discovery, we're having Nathan back for our Deck Discovery episode with him. What these episodes are all about is uh, bottling that excitement of Discovery, where our guests share with us their spectacular, strange, weird, or otherwise surprising deck from their collection, a deck that's truly unique to them. So Nathan, what deck have you brought for us this week to our Deck Discovery episode with you? So uh, the deck that I've chosen to highlight is Kantphage... The Lady General of the Keep, which is an Age of Ascension deck that is uh, Brobnar, Mars, and Shadows. And the listeners that have already clicked over to the uh, decks of Keyforge will be struck by the fact that this deck has a 8-1 win ratio. So all decks, all good decks anyway, have an interesting story that come with them. What is the story behind this deck, Nathan? So uh, this is the deck that I opened for Vault Tour Richmond that I ultimately won the tournament with. Nice, nice. Yeah, so this was in my... Honestly, I've, I've forgotten the other two decks. I would have to go look to see what the other two decks were that I opened for that tournament because when I opened this deck and looked at the deck list, I thought to myself, oh, wow, this this might be one of the most powerful AOA decks that I have ever opened and ever seen played. Um, and uh, I had played a lot of AOA decks by that point. Another, <laughs> another funny anecdote about this is when I, I was actually seated um, near... Grant Titus, creator of the the Crucible Tracker add-on, and I showed him the deck list, and he joked, he's like, well, congratulations on uh, winning this tournament at the time. (laughs) (laughs) Prophetic. And it happened. Yeah. (laughs) It's pretty, it was pretty, just pretty funny. Normally, I hate it when people tell me stuff like that, because I will ultimately find a way to screw it up. Mm Mm-hmm. Um... And so it was just like in the back of my head, I was like, man, he said he, I was going to win this tournament and I'm going to lose, you know, lo- lose a game somewhere along the way. There were several close calls with this deck. Uh, my third round opponent probably should have beaten me if he had had like more experience with AOA. Mm. I think he would have won. 
I and and I've played enough Keyforge to know that like even powerful decks have bad matchups. Um, yeah. And I was like just terrified because I knew there were some some specific cards like shadows for instance really worried me I, th- I thought like playing against some somebody who had just like a ton of stealing was just gonna mm-hmm. absolutely destroy me so i i i was terrified throughout the day even though i knew how powerful the deck was i i was just absolutely scared of of dropping games absolutely so you've taken this deck through Vault Tour Richmond to great success. You've got some good competitive experience with it, and we're seeing in the list, if the listeners brought it up, we've got Martian Generosity, which is exciting. Yes. A Swindle, Too Much to Protect. We've got their famous Drummer Not Ganger Chieftain combo. Uh, so what would you say is the role of the different houses in this deck, as a, especially as you took it through Richmond? Playing this deck, I was able to win what I would call fair games. And a fair game was a game where I didn't play Martian Generosity to like draw the whole deck, and I didn't win the game with Drummer Knot and Ganger Chieftain. Both of those had like the raw power that could win an AOA sealed game. Um, but this deck overall is very good. Cards like Rock Hurling Giant, um, mm-hmm. the Shadows Package in particular has a lot of things that you just want to do in a game of Keyforge. You want to kill enemy creatures and you want to control Amber. And there's several, you know, just just disruptive things that this deck is potential, has the potential to do. And you've actually, you've got some of my favorite cards in this deck uh, and underrated cards, I believe as well, such as Hypnotic Command and Rock Hurtling Giant that are cards that can get you out of sticky situations hypnotic command being the card that for every mars creature you choose an enemy creature to capture one amber from their own side it's absolutely brutal and i see with things like coward's end in this deck you can really take advantage of that to uh to steal essentially a whole bunch of amber under certain circumstances so how useful was that card for you throughout that tournament yeah, Hypnotic Command was uh, very good for me. Now, this deck doesn't actually have a ton of Mars creatures, but the thing is, is that if you get Martian Generosity going, you will just have all of your Mars creatures. And uh, another thing about AOA Sealed is that AOA decks do not really burst Amber in the traditional sense that like Coda decks were capable of doing. So yep. you didn't really need answers for arbitrarily high amounts of Amber. Mm. But this deck did have answers for those, and Hypnotic Command certainly played a role in those. Um, Hypnotic Command was a lot of times an icer, where if my opponent was trying to claw back into a game, I could use like Glixel Proliferator and Hypnotic Command mm. to just just take any amber that they were going to generate and make sure it was always captured on their own creatures it's a strong combo and i'm 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 sensing there are some quite interesting combos going on in that mars set that you have there i mean you can play martian generosity put down that proliferator and then play mars first to ensure that you've got your martian generosity back in your archives again did that ever happen oh yes i believe i had my second or fourth round opponent i was able to execute that combo on i think one of those games was recorded on our uh on our youtube um we did Brutal. stream for richmond and then my sixth round opponent so 
uh, in the fifth round, Justin and I played, and Justin actually won. We were both four mm. zero at the time, um, and that's where I was four and one. I was like on the cusp of not making day two, yeah, and I was like terrified that this awesome deck was going to lose, and I was going to like lose my chance to win like a vault tour, mm-hmm. and so it. It, it like the deck like heard my pleas and I when I sit down for round six I'm playing against somebody else who's four and one nice dude super chill guy yeah. and I felt terrible after the game was done based off of like the raw power that this deck had I think I opened up with something like the harvester Mars firsted it generosityed and drew like twelve cards on the the second turn. Wow. I hit the proliferator. I hit the other Mars first. I used the Mars first on the proliferator and archive the Martian generosity <laughs> on like my second. Or, it, it was seriously, it was like my second or third turn. That's bonkers. So he, my, my opponent it like sees what I just did and is like, okay, well, I play like three cards. He does not answer my board and I draw the rest of my deck. And the game was just over at that point. And after it was over, like I was like, dude, I feel really bad about that. <laughs> it was just like My this goodness. deck was absurd. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just the raw power there was uh, was incredible. So yeah. it was one of those where he actually had a choice. He could have either killed the Harvester or the Proliferator. And he chose to kill the Harvester because he was afraid I was going to draw more cards with it. Um, when really, he, had he killed the Proliferator, I would have had to... Uh, choose a house other than Mars eventually mm-hmm. um, because I wouldn't have been able to just draw the whole deck um, by archiving Martian generosity over and over and over. Right, again. right, right. Through that experience, uh, were there any matchups or cards that gave you a particular challenge that you really had to play around on that day? So I think my worst matchups were related to the board. Yeah, so the Mars in this deck does not actually compete for the board very well. Because a lot of the guys are very small, and card like containment field doesn't really do what you really want it to do. Um, yeah. You know, it, so my guys in Mars are actually really tiny, so they don't fight very well. My shadows is even worse at fighting. You've got some nerve blasts; they help, sure, but they don't take the problematic um, Brobnar creatures in this set off the table. Yeah, my Brobnar, you know, it will fight for the board particularly well. But um, against, like, say, a Brobnar Sanctum Dis deck, you know, this deck would, would struggle against it because the, the guys are so much bigger. If I, like, mistime a Coward's End, then mm. um, if my opponent establishes a board, I'm in a lot of trouble. Mm-hmm. And that's actually what happened versus Justin. I played a Coward's End at a time I should not have. Um, and he ended up flooding the board with Logos creatures and just created, like, this this crushing advantage um, through like Titan librarians and directors of ZYX. And I just couldn't get him off the table and he generated too much Amber from that. And, and uh, that's, that's how this deck would lose. Uh, I will say the, um, the quarterfinals match, um, his name is George. Uh, and it was the first vault tour he had ever gone to. He actually opened up a really cool deck and had a completely unique strategy of making sure that he never left a creature on board if he if he could help it because so much amber control in AOA is based off of creatures on the table 
he would kill his own creatures aggressively and he would like discard cards and he would even like make plays to make it seem like he was making play mistakes but he was doing exactly what he wanted to do he would like wow. play a scullion with no other creatures on the table and it's like oh guess i have to sack it and put it in his discard pile and um his <laughs> deck had multiple unlocked gateways and not finished with use exhumes and um most importantly several ronnie wrist clocks mm -hmm. and so what he would do is just make sure that he would steal um steal amber with his ronnie wrist clocks and then just kill the board otherwise and mm -hmm. um, he had like carpet <laughs> floxums and all these all these strategies just to just keep the board clear and um he played a brilliant he played his deck brilliantly and uh that matchup is really brutal if i'd um when we played i got best um it was a best of three match and i lost the first game and basically learned how to play against the deck in game one and then managed to win games two and games three mm -hmm. i really liked my deck in a best of three matchup mm. um since it was sealed i felt like there was like very specific cards i could lose to i could lose to cards like too much to protect if i like decided to generate like a bunch of amber i could lose to various purge effects and whatnot um if i get hit with them at the wrong time so um knowing that i could like play around stuff in games two and three really helped me sure sure yeah. i i had the pleasure of spending some time with george he has a couple of great keyforge friends from pennsylvania and he he did uh get a big kick out of playing a scullion with an empty board staring at it for a second and then moving it to his discard pile just to try to throw people <laughs> off yes yeah it's it's brilliant it's, it's that mind game uh skill where you make a play like that mm -hmm. and your opponent thinks oh man my opponent is an idiot. I'm going to crush this dude. <laughs> and you are thinking in that, and George is thinking in that moment, oh man, my opponent thinks I'm an idiot. Right. I'm going to crush this dude. You know? Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. 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 And and that shows that you can have the humility to, to kind of, to outflank your opponent in, in those different ways. And I think in Sealed, mm -hmm. that's much more pronounced yes. where people don't know their decks as well that the mind stuff does come into it much more than it would do maybe in an archon format where everyone feels a bit more on solid ground and solid footing well yeah you don't have the deck lists in front of you right like that was the um uh the the thing about sealed is that you're trying to like feel out the opponent's game plan and that's why george was so good so effective at richmond um because aoa sealed uh, was very similar to Worlds Collide Sealed in a lot of ways, where it was about board control. You wanted to, like, using your creatures on table were more important than trying to draw to a specific card or specific answers. And um, and, and George absolutely crushed everyone. He, he beat Justin twice. Justin's two losses were to George um, round six, day one, and then uh, he uh, George beat him, I think, in the top eight. Um, yeah, so it just, it was, it, he had the matchup down and I, I think if I were playing a different deck, I don't think I could have beaten George. I do know George lamenting the best of three because he knew as soon as he had, uh, somebody smart across from him, then they would figure out his one trick that <laughs> he knew the jig was yes. up then. <laughs> yeah. Keyforge players hate him. <laughs> find out, find, 
this one simple trick can get you to the top cuts of a vault tour. Sure. Um, <laughs> so we, we've uh, we've heard about a couple of those matches from that day, the one you felt bad about, and then the one the, the match with George. Was there a particular game or moment from playing this deck, assumedly at this vault tour, maybe elsewhere, that really stuck in your mind as, a, as just a really great memory? So the the finals of and honestly I have like completely blanked a, a lot of those finals from my memory, but I remember that that final match versus uh, his username is Lord of Winter. Um, his mm-hmm. first name is Alex. Uh, he's actually like a regular viewer on stream. Yeah, he's indeed one of our patrons as well. Uh, yeah, yeah, he he's is. great, great dude, great dude. Yeah, yeah. Archons um, of Atlanta. Yeah, he he made pins for the uh, the atlanta vault tour Mm -hmm. um and that's that's how like i met him um we played at the atlanta vault tour uh and i was like oh hey are you lord of winter from reddit because he had like made a reddit post about it he was like yeah i was like oh do you still have those pins he's like yeah here you go and he just handed me a pin i was like oh that's sweet um and so uh i knew his deck was nuts but i hadn't had like had a chance to take a look at it and when we sit down and we're both playing martian generosity i was like i knew this matchup was going to be bonkers mm-hmm. and um that those games were just filled with so many just heads up players or heads up plays from both players i i remember i think it was game three um i had one uh, he won game one i won game two so he is going first and i knew his deck had eureka and i draw my opening hand and i have swindle and i look at the swindle and i say i have to keep this hand because if he goes turn one eureka i need this swindle to answer that amber right um the 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 determination that i had made in the the previous games was that the the one of us who generated more amber was at an advantage because our martian generosity was going to be bigger right and um so i knew that like amber control was more important i had to like limit the amber that he could generate and i wanted to generate as much amber as i could his amber control was worse than mine but my efficiency was worse than his. So I like knew that I needed to see specific cards at the right time or I was going to lose that game. And so the moment that I drew my opening hand for like, I think it was game three and I saw the swindle and I, I was like, I'm keeping this hand. Normally swindle is really bad in the opening hand, but uh, especially if you're going second, um, because you don't get to play any other cards. Right. I was like, I'm keeping the swindle because if he goes turn one Eureka, I will want the swindle. And sure enough, the game starts off. He goes, turn one Eureka. I go, turn two swindle and just take all three amber that he had. Wow. And yeah. And I was like, and and when that happened, I was like, I'm, I am in great shape for this game moving forward. Mm -hmm. And that's a really good example of what we were talking about earlier. We were saying, knowing sealed well and understanding the meta and understanding the board state almost becomes instinctive if you've played it a lot and you you're very skillful at it and i think that play is an example of something that i wouldn't have made and i wouldn't make playing an age of ascension deck i i'd think oh goodness i don't want swindle in my opening hand and yeah. i'd <laughs> i'd uh I'd, I'd i'd do the mulligan you looked at here you thought what's he got in his deck well he's likely to have this and you know what's that to me exactly what's the worst case 
right? Like, what's the worst case for me? Worst case is he archives two cards and generates three amber. He goes into his turn two, and if he Martian generosities for like eight there, I'm buried in card advantage. Mm. And so I mm. like I cannot let him. I either have to Martian generosity first, or I have to limit the amount of damage that he can do with Martian generosity. Um, yeah, exactly. So it was one of those where it was like I have to make the plays that I need to to win, um, and trying to identify like the key cards in those matchups was was uh, I felt like the the make or break moment in that final series. Absolutely. And a little bit of our cybersecurity, how much risk is too much risk, uh, <laughs> assess the threats, yeah, side exactly. of things coming into Keyforge again here. Right, right. So what's next for this deck then, Nathan? You've, so, you've uh, taken it to Voltor Glory. <laughs> Has it uh, ascended into Keyforge, uh, Keyforge Heaven or will it be getting its hands dirty in future events? So uh, I believe we actually did play so because it's power level eight i can never actually play this at a chain bound which is kind of a shame um mm. you know it's it's one of those where like man i would love to use this deck um just locally just to see how it would could compare against like really busted uh archon decks like mm -hmm. can't does this deck have what it takes to actually compete in archon and i'm not in, actually entirely sure that it does because i don't think it's quite efficient enough um, but it's something, it's a deck that I do have like a, a strong personal attachment to and want to play it again. Now, um, on tabletop Royale, we are, we've got a, a tournament series that is coming up where we're going to play our favorite decks from the previous sets together. Um, so this deck will actually get a chance to compete against some of our other favorite decks for that series that's coming up. Um, so I can't wait to actually get my hands on it again. Yeah, that sounds that sounds exciting. And uh, I know there's there's a lot of exciting stuff in this deck, like you've been talking about with the the Martian generosity, Mars first, and all the things that combo there, the Ganger chieftain. Uh, what's been your favorite little combo outside of Martian generosity or Ganger chieftain with this deck? What's the 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 sixth man? <laughs> the shadows in this deck, I would say Merkins maybe. Uh, nice. It's like Merkins is just the combo by itself. I remember uh, round three. Um, the the game I almost lost. I went first. Um, I really wanted to go like second with this deck because, uh, especially in AOA, you wanted to like establish a board. So I wanted to like get like a good Brobnar hand and establish like a Brobnar board that I could reap with. And um, so I go first and I play something and I don't like. Uh, and I, I what I think I mulligan that game and had like a bunch of shadows in my hand, uh, which is uh, I wanted to draw the shadow stuff later on. My opponent goes and plays like two um, two imps of some kind. It was like an amber imp and like a blood shard imp. And I go and I play the um, Merkins and I hit like a twin bolt or something. And I just shoot his two guys off the board that he started with. And my opponent was just like deflated from that. Um, and Merkins just did good stuff all day. Just, you know, he, he was disrupting archives. He was playing top cards of decks. I just, I just love Merkins as a card. It's a brilliant card. And I find this a fascinating conundrum as well, because I think where certain players really struggle with Wild Wormhole and Merkins because they feel that risk, you know, we were talking about risk and reward just now. And, you know, how, what, does this present me with a threat or does this present me with an opportunity? 
With Merkins, it's even harder to determine what the opportunity and threats are because you're playing sealed and you don't know what's it. You <laughs> might have a fair idea, but you don't know what's in your right. own deck. Well, so it... I, I'm really interested <laughs> that you embrace that chaos and randomness uh, as I do, actually, indeed. I was going to say, one of the one of the hidden things about Merkins and um, in that finals, what I was hoping to hit in the finals was actually Merkinsing, playing Merkins and hitting Alex's Martian generosity. Um, that was like <laughs> the play that I wanted to hit because I nice. knew that that would just be like a story for all time. Of course. Um, <laughs> the two Martian generosity decks just squaring off against each other. And then like, I play like a Merkins, I hit his generosity. Not only do I get a, a Martian generosity, I deny him a Martian generosity. Um, so yeah, I, I, uh, I, I regret not doing that. Um, <laughs> That would well, be incredible. Only, only so much room for regret with a, a vault for a victory under your belt. Yeah, I, I suppose so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, Nathan, is there anything else about this deck you'd like to spend a little time diving into? So, uh, I think one of the understated elements of this deck is the uh, one of the things that like led to a lot of my 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 fair game wins um, were the combination of two cards, Signal Fire and Dipno Spy Master. Um, both of these let me use uh, creatures dur- of of, a, of other houses during off-house turns. And I think that was something that AOA failed at compared to Call of the Archons, which is why a lot of people didn't accept AOA as readily. You didn't have like your Commander Remules or your Ulic Mega Mouse that would let you use other creatures um, more effectively during other turns. And this deck has that ability. And uh, that, so you, because uh, a lot of times in AOA, if you find yourself in a position where you have to name a house just to clear out your hand, you don't get to use anything that's on the table. There's there's a lot less omni abilities and a lot less ways. There's there's not nearly as many cards like anger or uh, uh, Zekiel that will yeah. come out of your or inspiration even that just come out of your hand and give you that immediate effect. Um, one of the only other cards that does that is like say Smite. A lot a lot of times you would just find yourself in this 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 board state where you have to play stuff it is not stopping your opponent it's not even really helping you win it's just you have to get it out of your hand so you can actually get to some action cards and that that board state always felt terrible anytime i had something like that appear in this deck i would have cards like signal fire or dipno spy master to kind of smooth me through those transitionary periods Oh, brilliant they're not even cards that would fire to fire to me they wouldn't fire a signal to me on first glance <laughs> of a, a sealed deck i wouldn't think oh great i've got a couple of house cheating cards here and so that's really interesting that yeah you've got those options there and particularly with signal fire as an art- artifact and not all that much artifact control in age of ascension you're able to fire that off pretty much as and when you you want to depending on yeah have i got the board Right. And uh, I mean, the thing, the, the big thing about Brobnar in this deck um, with the Ganger Drummernaut Chieftain combo, um, the that was like plan B. Plan A was to Martian Generosity for a billion cards, if possible. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was almost certainly draw me into the, the Drummernaut combo. And um, 
you know, it, the there were times where I would just say Mars until my opponents lost the game. Um, and I would have a grip full of cards like two muster protect and double nerve blast, knowing that my opponent could literally generate an infinite amount of amber on the next turn. They could not forge a key. Right. Wow. <laughs> that wow. is a that is wow. a nice security to have in Keyforge. You know, just do do whatever you like. I'll take it. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. The the very very there are seldom. I, I, I can't even really outside of like playing um, this deck. There are very few times where. I would I would I find myself in a position thinking I can't lose this game and I felt that way with this deck several times, mm. um, which is always a good feeling. It's an extremely good feeling <laughs> and uh, yeah, not one that comes very frequently in Keyforge. I'd oh say. no, not at all. So, as one final question, Nathan, do you feel that this deck still thrives in a worlds collide meta? What are the challenges to it, and how do you feel this might be performing in the future? So I, I do think this deck is interesting versus Worlds Collide. Okay. Um, I don't think it has the bounce, something like a Hysteria, that, that you really need. Um, I do think this deck can fight for the board, which is important. Um, Coward's End is probably still good versus Saurians. Um, there's a lot of wards and whatnot. But this deck has enough removal, I would say, in Brobnar, where it could plink off some wards and then Coward's End. Um, and, uh, but I think combos like, uh, Tribute and Six Emperor Tyrannosaurus are going to be bad for it. Um, and I think cards like Infernus are actually pretty bad for it too. Um, because if I don't, uh, if I don't protect my cards from Infernus, I could lose something like Martian Generosity or part of the, the Drummernaut and, uh, Gengar Chieftain combo. Mm -hmm. And... Then I think this deck would really struggle to win. That's definitely the magic of Infernus, isn't it? That it's yeah, such yeah, it's a powerful incredible. card. It, ta- it takes people off keys, um, but also it deals with combo decks, and not not all the time. It's not a combo deck killer. It doesn't necessarily mean, hey, I can't play my deck with a Heart of the Forest in it, or I can't play my deck with a Martian Generosity in it. But it means you got to think twice about it, and mm-hmm. right. that's why right. I quite I th- like I think, the card. I think Infernus is a really important card. I'm not a hundred percent sold on whether it's really fun to play against. Um, as somebody who's played a lot of Infernuses and played against a lot of Infernuses, um, Infernus is like a really demoralizing card to lose to when it's mm. used on repeat against you. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would make the same argument for Martian Generosity, which is a, a card this deck does have. Um, that is just absolutely brutal to play against um, when you don't have a very clear answer for it. Absolutely. Yeah, completely agree to that. Martian Generosity, you can find yourself watching a match rather than playing it. Right. Yeah, Mm -hmm. you become very passive. You're just, all right, let me know when you're done. I'll be, you know, buying decks until I hit a Martian Generosity. Right. (laughs) At the uh, Krakow Vault Tour, we had a, a side tournament which was Archon AOA. And this is one of the reasons why I'm really looking forward to Vault Warrior, not because I'm a competitive player, but because I like seeing these different formats and the way that things play in different different categories because yeah let's be frank you don't really see many aoa decks in in archon format and so it gave a chance for some of those other decks that are super fun to shine 
and I had a triple grey rider deck and I was really <laughs> enjoying playing it. It was really fun. It had Oath of Poverty and some oh, man. Oath of Poverty crummy artifacts card. that, yeah, it was reliably sort of getting me the win. And I found myself up there, you know, top table there with, with opposite Aurora. And uh, she she had a her Jenka deck and it, <laughs> it was my first experience of playing against a Martian Generosity. And I was mm. so delighted. I was two keys up. I was thinking, I'm uh, yeah. doing so well here. <laughs> I know exactly where and, this is going. And she, yeah, yeah, it was, it was, it was a tragic finale. But, um, but, <laughs> but, but her deck did exactly what it needed to do against me. In fact, she pulled off the Martian Generosity twice to win. Jeez, yeah. There's a couple cards that I would put in the category of if you use this card two or more times you've probably won the game i think falafasaurus <laughs> is, is that kind of type of card yeah. I think if you successfully reap with falafasaurus twice your chances of winning the game are substantially higher uh martian generosity is a card the first time you cast it like you're going to have increased your chances to win significantly and the second time you cast it if it's like especially if it's in short order you're probably just going to win the game mm-hmm yeah, yeah, I completely agree with that. I'm interested that you put Philosophosaurus in that category because it's not one that I would have thought of in that top category of, you know, alarm bells here, got to deal with this. I'm I'm, I'm always thinking about those Perfectus Ludos in, in, in the first instance. So uh, the thing with Philosophosaurus is the, the sheer amount of cards that you get to see. Um, Philosophosaurus feels a lot like... Um, eureka or several other cards that um just are so frighteningly efficient mm-hmm. that um it's by the time that you finally deal with it um what's coming next is almost certainly cultivated to be even more deadly than the problem was to begin with sure sure so uh Philophosaurus is a is it's it's a relatively innocuous card but it's yeah. the it's the type of card that will get stuck behind like a tricerian legionary and if it gets yeah. rewarded it's even yeah. more difficult to remove yeah um and it will just it's it, it can set up all of the terrifying dinosaur combos mm. um and uh yeah the philophosaurus has a hidden text where um if you activate it three times in a game you've just won right <laughs> <laughs> so it's an enabler then it's exactly, an enabler. exactly. Mm-hmm. yeah and it's... it doesn't it doesn't look it's just unassuming but um mm. uh, it's just one of those cards that um it, it had we not played it on stream so many times um it's just one of those where the first time it activates you're like oh man i know that's bad um it's it's the kind of thing that just it lets you just keep saying sorry in like five turns in a row if you need right. to. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And yeah. Um, if any any card that like lets you get into that situation is is just automatically a good card. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, it's the comms officer Kirby, but exactly lets you yeah. cycle through your hand more effectively. Right. right. Well, and it's building up that archive too. Um, that's that's like the 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 understated thing of it is that sure. you can you can tuck cards. So even if your opponent has like a way to um, like let's say in furnace, like we talked about in furnace, you, your opponent could be stuffing their archive full of stuff they don't want to get in furnace. So many angles that you can play with a card like that, and 
but this this thank you so much Nathan, yeah no for, problem for coming on with this incredible deck i think this is indeed the first vault tour winning deck that we have had <laughs> on our deck discovery episode so you you hold that call of discovery compass of uh, honor <laughs> well and that's that's uh, like i i wanted to talk about this deck on this for especially for discovery because one of the things that i love about keyforge is that the next deck deck that you could open could be the deck that you win a vault tour with right it's true and it's it's always a little bit better if you're at a sealed event and that ends up happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You're is. making me want to go and open decks right now. Is <laughs> <laughs> uh, it always? Oh, and, uh, and Nathan, where can where yeah. can our listeners find you if they want to engage with you or Tabletop Royale after this? Justin and I stream on Twitch. We stream uh, Sundays, Mondays, Wednesdays um, from about seven thirty to about nine thirty uh, Eastern. Um, on uh, so twitch.tv tabletop royale um we've got a youtube channel that our uh, streams get uploaded to that's also tabletop royale um we have a uh, twitter handle for the stream and then my own personal twitter handle is uh, nathan starwalt one well thank you once more for coming on the cast and i think we'll have to do more stuff in tandem with yourselves at tabletop royale in the future i look look forward to it Thank you once again to our listeners for enjoying, or hopefully enjoying, Call of (laughs) Discovery this week. If you love this deck, then let us know what you liked about it that maybe we didn't come out with. If you are enjoying Call of Discovery, you can join our family through our Patreon, which is linked below, where you can put your own weird and wonderful decks in the spotlight, and you can have a say on our future through our Patreon-only Discord. Let us also know what you want to see more of and less of in future shows. Do you love our deck discovery episodes? Or would you rather we spoke about something else? Do let us know. Please subscribe on your regular podcast app. We are on pretty much everything apart from Stitcher at this point, I believe. And you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, discoverkeyforge at gmail.com and Instagram as well sometimes. But most importantly, if you do think a friend would enjoy this podcast, please do help them to discover it. Have you answered the call of discovery? mysterious noises (laughs) we're keeping that bit in